Well, this morning as we continue this series, uh, we've been looking at a particular verse out of the Gospel of John. It's kind of been our, our theme verse. We've gone back to it, and, and we've looked at it uh, in several weeks of this series out of the Gospel of John. John chapter 15 and verse 5, where Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Hayden, in reply to your text message, yes, okay? Um, Y'all don't even know. I preach from an iPad, and so I see... All these texts, my family don't listen to my sermons, just so y'all know. They text back and forth all during church. They comment on how I'm dressed, the shoes I wear, uh, all these different things. And so, um, yes, the answer is yes. But anyway, this verse that we've been looking at is Jesus' way of saying this. I want to do amazing things through you. I want to do great work in you, in your life, and, and, and through your life. And what he's saying here, and we've been talking about this, he's saying, as long as you remain, as long as you abide with me, I'm going to show you that I can do amazing things through you that you never dreamed or imagined. And so we've been talking about what would 2023 look like? What could it be like on our journey with Jesus as we're abiding, as we're remaining, and we're aware of God's presence in his life? And not just God's presence in our lives, but also God's presence around us. Because here's the thing, folks. God is at work in this world, and he's wanting us to be a part of it. And we've talked about, we often miss it. We miss His presence. We miss His work. We miss what He wants us to be a part of because we get distracted by other things. And maybe those distractions are uh, because of our busyness. I I was uh, talking to a a family and they were talking about, you know, we we used to talk bad about the people that showed up for church late every single Sunday. And I'm like, I know those people that you're talking about. I know exactly who, you, who you're thinking of. And they said, and now we've become that family. And I'm like, it's because you have 23 children now. What did you expect having that many kids, you know? Uh, but we just naturally get busy, especially as our families grow and we increase. And, and so here's the deal. If you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, though, if you are in a relationship with Him, if you are on this journey with uh, Him, He is with you, and not only is He with you, but He is constantly wanting to work in you and through you because He is active and at work in this world that we live in. But sometimes we miss it, and there's so many reasons that we can. And one of the reasons I want to look at today that one. Uh, Uh, Another reason that we miss what he's doing or what he wants to do in us and through us is one of the most common problems, I believe, in the history of mankind. And notice I said mankind and not womankind. All right? It's this thing we call procrastination. All right? Now, I know that men get a bum rap about being procrastinators, but I also know There are some women in this room today who are just as guilty, right? And and so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And while we would talk about the word procrastination, and some of us might even brag about the fact that we are professional, expert procrastinators, I believe that we're going to see here in God's Word today that instead of us being procrastinators, God might just be saying that we're being disobedient to him. And so I want to look at this story uh, here in Exodus uh, chapter 8 because I'm guilty of this. This sermon is, is man, it's, it's really for me today and I'm just letting y'all sit in and listen, okay? Uh, I'm guilty of this. So many times I, I either think or I will say, you know what, I can do that later or I'll get to that tomorrow or, or here's, here's my, my famous one, my most popular one that I go to. I'll get to that someday, right? 
someday I'm going to get around uh, to doing that. Well, guess what? We're going to get to it today, all right? Are you okay with that? All right, Frankie is. Nobody else is, but we're going to get to it today. And we're going to start by looking at this crazy story that I appreciate Robert Wilcox uh, sharing with us. Kind of what brought me to this passage is Lynette and I were talking about, I think it was this past week, maybe the week before, about the different plagues that you read about uh, in the book of Exodus. And this one about frogs just uh, reminded me of some things. And I thought, you know, this goes so well with, with the topic of this series that we've been talking about. Just some quick history here, though, for those of you that may not be aware, uh, the, the context of this passage of Scripture. The Israelites have been held in captivity, uh, in bondage, and in slavery for about 400 years, okay? And so God has raised up Moses to be the one to lead them out of their captivity, to lead them out of this bondage. But the problem is uh, Pharaoh is not real motivated to let them go. Pharaoh is not real motivated to let the Israelites go because here's the deal. They're free labor for him. Right? They're doing all this work. They're doing all this building. They're doing all these things as uh, his slaves. And so he's not, he's not too crazy about the idea of letting them go. And so here's what God does. God gives Moses some really great bargaining chips to approach uh, Pharaoh with in the form of these plagues that we find recorded here. And one of the most interesting and, and most disturbing, I think, is the one that we heard about here in chapter 8. So let's pick it up. Let's read through it one more time, and then we're going to kind of break it down and see what God would want to say to us today. Amen? Not tomorrow, but today. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. Pretty gross, huh? The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron to stretch out... Uh, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. The, the, are they having a contest here to see who can produce the most frogs? That's what I'm wondering. This is, this is crazy. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs except for those that remain in the Nile. So basically Moses is saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get rid of the frogs. You just tell me when. when. When would you like for me to get rid of the frogs? Look at what Pharaoh says. What does he say? Is he stupid? <laughs> huh? I mean, what's he thinking here? Tomorrow? And Moses replied, uh, okay, you know, as it, it will be as you say, what, whatever you want, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. Tomorrow. Here's what I want us to, to focus on today, because I believe one of the biggest challenges to our faithfulness to God on our journey with him is that word tomorrow. And you've got to wonder why, why in the world would Pharaoh delay? Why, why, would he, why would he put it off? Right? I mean, we get the picture here of how horrible this was. And, and, and I'm thinking, why, why would you not say right now, you know, let's pray now, right? Let's get rid of the frogs because they're everywhere. They're in, the pa they're in his palace. They're in their beds. They're in their ovens. I'm picturing his wife and daughter are standing in their chair screaming, you know. And, and, and Moses offers to get rid of all of them. 
But Pharaoh's response, let's do that tomorrow. We'll deal with that tomorrow. What could possibly motivate a man or woman (laughs) to wait until tomorrow to do what they could do today? Lynette's going to use this against me as soon as we get home today. Every message, she thinks she needs to apply it to our family. I don't know why. She came in, was it last week or the week before last? Oh, what I heard God speak to me in your message today is that I need to retire. It was of the devil. That didn't have anything to do with God. But I mean, what motivates us to do that? Seriously, if you look at Pharaoh's behavior here, it's really not that odd because you and I do it. At least I do. Again, I'm talking to myself every single day. Every single day. But the obvious question here is, why would you want to spend another night with the frogs? In your home, in your bed, in your ovens, everywhere. But for whatever reason, Pharaoh decides... Uh, to do that. He settles for another night with the frogs. And I believe, uh, uh, again, that I'm not the only one here that's probably guilty of this. You know, we all, we, we'll put so many things off. You know what? Someday I'm going to start that diet. Someday I'm going to start exercising. I know I need to do that, but you know what? I just am too busy right now. I don't have the time for that. Someday I'm going to do that. Someday I'm just going to slow down. I'm a, someday, you know what I'm going to start doing? Telling people no. Someday I'm going to start telling people no. And I'm going to start slowing down and I'm going to start enjoying my life and enjoying my family. Someday I'm going to do that. Someday I'm going to get really serious about my relationship with Jesus. Someday, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to start really reading and studying my Bible in depth. I've always wanted to do that. And I'm going to get around to doing that someday. Someday I'll start tithing to the church, when I'm financially able and God blesses me a little more, one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to start being generous when it comes to the ministries of the church. Someday, I'm going to start volunteering. Someday, I'm going to start volunteering. I'm going to start serving other people in the church, in the community, all these different, one of these days. Someday, I'm going to do that. Someday, I'll start participating in Bible study. Someday, I'll Tell the people around me how much I love them and how much they mean to me. And you know what's kind of amazing? Kind of amazing how many things that we push to tomorrow that would be so much better done today. How much we commit to do. And, we're, and, and I'm good at this. Hey, I'm good at making a commitment. I'll commit to do that someday, right, when I get around to it. Moses says to Pharaoh, you you don't have to live with these frogs anymore, man. You, you You don't have to live with this. Just say the word and they're gone. Pharaoh says, let's wait till tomorrow. Probably in the back of his mind, here's what he's thinking. You know what, as long as I put up with these frogs, I'm going to have free labor. As long as I tolerate these frogs... Life's going to be a little bit easier for me. You know, I I kind of like my wife, my life, life the way that it's been. I don't want you to miss this because I think this is an important part of the story. Here's what Pharaoh decided. He decided that he can live with the frogs. He's decided that he could tolerate this frog-infested life. And honestly, isn't that what some of us have done? We've learned that we can live with certain things. We can put up with certain things. We can tolerate certain things. And what we're really doing is tolerating and putting up with a frog-saturated life. And in Pharaoh's case, it's not necessarily a great life. There's not even a lot of joy in it. But he's decided that he can endure it. And honestly, he actually prefers it to the change that would be required of him to make 
and to be obedient to God's will and God's plan. And I think a lot of people have bought into this same idea that Pharaoh had bought into and decided, you know what, I can tolerate this. I can stand it. I can put up with this frog-infested way of living. I know it's not a great life. I, I know that it's not even a good life. But you know what? It's more convenient for me today just to put up with it. Just to endure it. And here's what I believe. At least I know this to be true in my life again. And I, I, I believe that most of us know what we're supposed to be doing. I think most of us know and understand what it is that God wants us to do. I, I don't think the problem is that we need uh, more knowledge. You see, it's not that we don't know the, the right thing to do or the good thing to do. Most of us have been in church long enough to know what an obedient journey with Jesus is supposed to look like. And I'm also going to say this, probably in the last six weeks of this sermon series about a journey with Jesus, I'm going to say that the majority of us really hadn't learned anything new. It's just kind of been covering the same material that we've been familiar with for a long time. And I believe this, I believe that we're educated far beyond our obedience. I believe that we're educated far beyond our obedience. It's not that you need more knowledge. Right? It's not that. We've got the knowledge. It's not that you need to know the Greek meaning of a certain word or you need to hear a certain Bible study about frogs told in a certain way that you've never heard it before. The reality is this. We have the knowledge. We know what to do. We just don't do it. We, we just don't do it. I also don't think that the problem is that we are deliberately being rebels in what we know we're supposed to do. You know, the, 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 I don't think the problem is that we deliberately refuse to do what God has laid out before us and in front of us. I think the problem is for most of us, we know what to do. We know what the Spirit is prompting us to do. We know this. Hopefully, we know this by now. You see, Jesus said that we are to remain and to abide. But Scripture talks to us repeatedly about this being an ongoing way of living, a journey, if you will, with Jesus. And we talk about the fact all the time that on a journey, you are moving. You're making progress. Step by step by step, you're on this journey with Jesus. And, and I picture this whenever I think about this. I don't know how y'all have envisioned in talking about this journey and abiding and remaining with Jesus. I just get a picture of this dad and a little child hand in hand strolling down the road together. That's the picture that I get when I think about this journey. And this child is totally confident in where he's being led by his father. He feels secure in the fact that the father is with him, leading him, beside him. And he trusts him. And see, it's not just about, you know, a lot of people want to make it about just, you make sure you just abide. You make sure you just remain and you're all good. Let me tell you something. They need to read the rest of the Bible. Because it's about continuing on. Paul speaks to it as a race that we run. A journey that we are on. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, uh, anything that we are just rebelling to do or refusing to do. I just think we know the steps that we need to take. We know the hand that we need to be holding. We know the person that we need to be following. But we, for whatever reason, have just stopped dead in our tracks and said, you know what, I'll pick up that journey tomorrow. 
I'll take his hand and follow him. Now, that, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to dig in our heels and say, I'm not going with you, does it? First off, my daddy would reach back and whip my hind end and said, you're going anyway. Our father is perfect, and he's not going to do that. He's going to give you a choice. We call it free will in the church. The, the will that you were created with where you get to choose. You get to choose where you walk, who you walk with, what you do. Every single day, you choose. And so I think the problem is for most of us is not that we rebel or refuse. It's just that we don't ever get around to it. So the question is, if we know what we should be doing, why don't we do it? If we know, and I believe without a doubt we know, why don't we do it? Well, here's the deal. It all comes down to, again, this choice that you get to make. It all comes down to you. It's your choice to decide what you do with your life today. It's your choice what you're going to do with your life, your time, your resources, your family. It's your choice. It's your decision. What are you going to do with it? You get to decide what really matters in your life. You get to decide what really matters in your family. No one's going to do that for you. No one can do that for you. Well, maybe the little kids that are back there, the parents definitely ought to be dictating where they're going, when they're going, and what they're doing, right? But for us as mature adults, no one can do this for you. And at some point, if you're going to get serious about your life and get serious about what God has for you and what God has created you for and what God wants to do in you and through you, you have to be the one to make that decision. You have to be the one to sit down and pray over this and figure out, here's what my priorities are going to be. You see, it's really a hard issue. When it gets down to it, it's not a I'm too busy issue or I don't have what I need to be able to do that issue. You see, when it comes down to it, it's really a heart issue. And you know what? If we were as concerned about our spiritual heart as we are our physical heart, we wouldn't be tolerating a frog-infested life, would we? If we cared as much about our spiritual heart as we do our physical heart, you know what? Every single day when I get up, my hope and prayer is that my heart beats. <laughs> Do I consider my spiritual heart, my spiritual soul to be that important to me in my life? The psalmist says in Psalm 90 and, and verse 12, he says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Well, what, what does it mean to number our days? Well, it simply means this. You've got to understand that your days are numbered. You're not going to live forever. None, none of us in here. I say at every funeral that I, I do, I share the passage of Scripture. It is appointed. You have an appointment. Every man and woman has an appointment to die. Next appointment, face the judgment. Those are two appointments you're not going to miss. You're going to die. And you're going to face judgment. Your days are numbered. And so we have to understand that every single day that we are given is a gift from God. Tomorrow is not promised to us. We have today. We have the present. We have this moment right now that we are living in. And none of us are promised tomorrow. This doesn't mean that, you know, you've got to run around afraid that you're not going to take your next breath. But we have to understand and realize that our days on this earth are numbered. And you see this, you see this when you talk to people who are, um, how should I put it, um, much older in their journey, much farther along. Uh, some of y'all refer to them disrespectfully as blue hairs, all right? Um, but you see this. I was talking to a, a relative of mine this past week, and he said he, he was telling me it, 
he, he said, you know, he said, I used to listen to uh, older people talk about ready to go. I'm ready to go. Ready to go to heaven. And he said, you know, when I was young, that was just, I'm like, yeah, you're old. You're crazy. You know, it, it just, he, he said, but the older I get, he said, the more I'm beginning to understand that. And he said, the older I get, the more I realize the draw on my heart and my life is to go home. And this place is not my home. The, the draw is to go and be with my father. And, and the draw to go there is stronger than the draw to stay here. And he said, you know, when I was younger, I didn't understand that. But the older I get, the more I understand it. And what the Bible is saying here is we need to understand this and we need to get this before we get old. This world is not our home. Our days here are number, numbered. And it's short. It goes by so quickly. I just am overwhelmed by the number of funerals that I have preached in the last two years. More than I have ever done in 25 years of ministry. It is just constant. Seems like I preached a funeral on Friday. And I just got to tell you, side note here. Um, it was a funeral for my aunt, my mother, um, lost her sister this past week. She's actually lost two sisters and a brother since September. And uh, my mom's the only one left in her family now. But I got to preach my aunt's funeral, who was, she was the wife of a preacher, a General Baptist preacher. And so what I talked about in her message um, that I delivered on Friday was her faithfulness. And I just pointed out how faithful she was in being a pastor's wife. And you know, I never really understood the sacrifice and how hard it was what she did until I became a pastor. And I see, you know, what Lynette has to, has to do and endure and just all kinds of different things. But I talked about her faithfulness to, number one, her husband and being a pastor because she went where he went and she sacrificed so that he could be a minister of the gospel. Talked about her faithfulness to the church, how faithful she was to always be there, to always serve, to always be willing to teach, sacrificial living for the church and the body of Christ. I talked about her faithfulness to um, her family because of her relationship with God and what that looked like. I talked about her faithfulness to God in and through all that and that now she had received the reward for the work and the journey that she had been on. And, and I'll tell you, God was in that place, in that funeral. Um, a powerful time of God's Spirit moving there in the church. And when I got done, uh, I extended, I told people, I said, you know, if, if you don't know about this faith, if you don't have a relationship with this God that I've been talking about, my aunt had, you know, you can. And I just shared with them what Scripture said, that if, you know, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you know, how, how to be saved and to be saved, and I wrapped it up, and I went and sat down. Well, my aunt's son got up after I, I did, and I thought we were about to dismiss. And he got up, and he said, you know, I, I just feel like this is odd, but I feel like that I need to open the altar and invite someone to come that needs to know Jesus. I'll be honest with you, I, first funeral where that happened, it was weird, it was awkward, and he started to pray, and a lady came forward, 
and accepted Christ as her Savior and said, I want a journey like that in my life. I want to live with that kind of faith, that kind of obedience. Friends, let me tell you something. Even after we're dead and gone, the legacy of our faith will continue on. It will. And I talk a lot about what, what are we going to do with it? And you know, and we think, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm too young or I'm too old or whatever. The Bible doesn't speak to anybody being too young or too old to be faithful and to be obedient. It's not just about abiding and remaining, although that's important. It's about being obedient and faithful and to be on this journey and to take these next steps that God takes us to step and saying, oh, you know what, I've got an excuse why I'm not doing that. The Bible points this out in another place in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Logan, I'm sorry. Logan is running the slides back there today, and I just preached for 15 minutes something that is not in the notes he's looking at. So, Logan, I'm going to Hebrews chapter 3. That a, that a buddy. The writer says this, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called what? Today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So, so the writer's saying here, we should be encouraging one another. Let's encourage one another to continue on this journey. Let's encourage one another to take that next step. Right? Let's encourage one another. Step out in faith. You know, the, a lot of the times we won't take that step or we won't be obedient or we won't walk in that direction is because we feel like everything has got to line up just perfectly. Well, let me tell you something. If everything lines up just perfectly before you're willing to take that step, you're never going to take it because there ain't nothing perfect in this world. And it's not going to line up perfect. Right? And so we should be encouraging one another. Let's do this thing. Let's be obedient. When? As long as it is called tomorrow. No, that's not what it said. <laughs> I tricked you. As long as it is called today. Today, not tomorrow. Let's do this thing today. Let's be obedient today. Let's live in the moment. Let's abide. Let's remain. Let's have an altar call at a weird time. Let's be obedient as long as it is called today and not put off what God wants us to do until tomorrow or someday. The Hebrews uh, writer continues in verse 14. He says, we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Again, this idea of abiding and remaining and continuing on this journey as, ju as has just been said Today, today if you hear His voice, today if He prompts you, today if the Spirit speaks something into your, your life, do not harden your hearts. Steve Version, do not plug your ears. He is speaking to you today about something that He wants you to do today. Again, focus on this principle. Today, not tomorrow, not someday. It says today you must listen to His voice. And then it says something interesting. It talks about hardening your heart. Do not harden your hearts if you hear God's voice and you say tomorrow. If you hear God's voice or His prompting and you say someday. If God prompts you to do something for Him and you say, this isn't good timing for me right now, God. What happens is the Bible says that your heart begins to harden. When you begin to put Him off, when you begin to make excuses, when you begin to say, I'll do it later, I'll do it someday, I'll do it tomorrow. It says you get to the point to where you're not hearing God anymore. Your heart is hardened. It's not that God stops talking. It's not that God keeps, quits trying to lead. It's not that God's Spirit quits trying to prompt us what we need to do. It's just that we have put Him off for so long, we quit hearing His voice. Now, men can relate to this probably a little better than women. I don't know. I've never been a woman. Um, and I'm not going to be, for the record. My pronoun is he. I'm pretty sure about that. 
But, oh, Lynette's here. See, I, I, I could word this a little differently in the early service. Um, some, of you, some of you men will, I'm going to just turn my back to her. Some of you men will understand that our wives think that we need hearing aids, right? Every wife in this room at some point in time has said to their husband, you need to go get a hearing test. You can't hear. All of us men know our hearing is perfectly fine. We have tuned out, right? That voice that we have heard repeatedly, we've tuned it out. We don't, we don't hear it until they've said it the third time in a very loud voice, right? I believe that's what this verse is talking about here. We quit listening. We're, we're not paying attention. We're not hearing we, we don't hear what he's saying. Our heart gets calloused. And we're never going to do what he wants us to do because we've quit listening and hardened our hearts and putting him off. And I'm going to tell you, that's a scary place to be. To quit listening to God. Because that eventually leads to a place that Jesus was warning about there in the Gospel of John to where when our hearts get hard enough, it's then that we risk the danger of no longer even abiding or remaining. We're no longer remaining and abiding with the vine and He is the vine. So here's the question. We're going to close with this. What is it in your journey with God that you have been putting off until tomorrow? And again, it isn't that you don't know what it is. And it's probably not that you have just deliberately refused and rebelled to do whatever it is. It may be that you've just got caught up in putting it off to do later. I'll deal with that later. I'll do that later. And you know what? Honestly, if that's the case, we've become just like Pharaoh and we've learned that we can live with the frogs and we can live with certain things because we don't want to be inconvenienced in some other way. Oh, it's not a great life. There's not a joy in it, not a lot of joy in it, but you know what? We just learned to endure it. We crawl in bed with the frogs. We've actually grown to prefer it because we don't really want to do what God wants us to do anyway, and we just get content living with the frogs. Will you say today, I'm going to be obedient? Will you say today, I'm going to be faithful. Will you say today, I'm going to do today what I've been putting off for a long, long time. I'm going to do that today. You know what? Your marriage may not be perfect, but does that mean that you can't try to make it better today? Maybe someone hurt you and you kind of felt a prompting to... Try to help the situation, fix the situation, ask for forgiveness, extend forgiveness. I don't know, but whatever it is, you know. And you just keep saying, I'm going to wait to better timing. I'm going to wait to a better day. I'll do that later. And so you've just kind of learned to live with it. And what you're really saying is, you know what, I can endure I can endure these frogs one more day. I, I can endure these frogs another month if I have to. But they're not going to go away, not until you follow the prompting of God. And he's made it pretty clear to you, do it 
today. We're going to open the altar today and invite you an opportunity to come. But before we do that, I I want you to know this. After a message like this, I I know the temptation. Um, I don't want you to walk out of here today feeling guilty. Okay, that's not the point. That's not where my heart is. I'm not about that. I I don't want you to feel more guilt. We have enough of that, right? Do we not? We have enough guilt. This isn't about guilt today. Friends, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make today is this. This is about freedom. This is about a better way of life. You know, Scripture tells us our enemy, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. That sounds miserable. Anybody miserable today? But God's purpose, as we journey with Him and we're faithful to Him and we're obedient to Him, God's purpose, Scripture says, is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Life and life more abundant, Scripture says. And some of us, instead of enjoying a rich and satisfying life, we're just tolerating the frogs. Because the enemy's purpose is to make us miserable, steal, kill, destroy. But I don't want you to walk out of here today feeling guilty. I want you to walk out of here today not guilty. But instead with a new sense of freedom and hope for your life today. And I promise you that that, that freedom and, and that hope is not going to come to you today by you saying, okay, I'm going to do it later. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that someday. Right? The journey with Jesus is a journey, again, of living in the moment. Living in the present. Not living in the past and not living in the future, but living in the right now. The here and now. Today. Now, I don't know what the Spirit is speaking to your heart. You do. And I trust Him, and I know that He's speaking. Some of you may be saying, I I don't know. I don't know what the next step is. That's a scary place to be because you ought to know what He's asking you to do next because there's always a next step. But this morning, if He's speaking to you and you feel like you need to come to this altar at as a show that you're going to take that step or whatever. You need to come pray. You need to come give that situation. Whatever it may be this morning, I want you to come today. Don't put off today. Don't put off till tomorrow what you need to do today. Don't put off till someday what you need to do today. Some of you have been hanging around here a long time and you've just been waiting on Everything to line up perfectly in order to start volunteering or to start giving or to join the church or to be baptized. I don't know what stars you're waiting to align in the perfect order, but I believe he's saying to us, they've lined up today. Today. So this morning as we close, I I invite you to come. As I ask you again, what is it in your journey with God that you have been putting off until tomorrow and if you need to come pray let's pray before we're dismissed this morning I invite you to come if you have a situation a need person whatever it may be let's close together with a word of prayer as the people of God God, I I don't know. uh, I don't know what was behind Pharaoh's thinking. But then again, I, I don't know what's behind my thinking sometimes. And 
I don't know what's behind other people's thinking sometimes when we look around us and all we can see is frogs and things aren't great. They're really not that good. But we just tolerate it, put up with it. When we could walk in obedience to you and experience what you have for us in that next step, what that next step has for us, that abundant life, that rich and satisfying life that your scripture talks to us about. But yet we just, we just let rather live in the misery of this moment than to walk in freedom. God, today I've just been impressed. Help us to number our days. Help us to understand that today is a gift that we've been given by you. Help me not to put off until tomorrow what you're asking me to do today. And I feel like I've, I've done that in this moment. I've extended the offer that you've led me to uh, extend today. And I trust you. I trust these fine folks that are here this morning that they're going to be faithful and obedient to take that next step. And I look forward to see what that's going to be for them and their family and our church and our community. I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you for their willingness to be obedient. I thank you for the ones that journey beside me each and every day and they encourage me to take the next step. They encourage me and lift me up. And God, that's what it's all about as a family. That's what it's all about. So I thank you for what your spirit's doing here today. And I thank you for what you're going to do in the days ahead. Even though we're not promised any of those days, I trust you with them. My hope is in you not in the things of this world. God, again, today I pray for Richard. He's so very sick this weekend after this last treatment. God, just help him. Be with Deborah. Be with their family. Bring healing. I pray for Randy. It seems like every day it's uh, different different news, different thing, something different to think about, to worry about, pray about. We trust you, God. I thank you for Randy. And I pray that you will be exactly what he needs in every moment as he goes through this battle. God, I pray for my friend Bob. Be with him in his surgery this week, God. God, the surgeon's hands as they try to repair his heart. Pray that you be with Kelly today. And I, I know uh, what she's been through, what she's going through. And God, we, we trust you with her. She's in your care. She's in your hands. She's a daughter of the king. So we trust you with her surgery and her situation. I pray for Mike. I pray that you'd bring healing to him and his body and be with him as he prepares for another surgery. God, continue to pray for Wilma that you would help her to feel better and get stronger and be able to get over this illness that she's been battling. Grateful and thankful for her and Don. And God, I also think about these other churches that are around us. We're surrounded by people of God doing the work of God. And we're so blessed to live in this kind of community, this kind of nation. We got people all around us building the kingdom. So I pray for them as well. I, I, would, I would love for you to do amazing and great things in our church tomorrow, today. But I pray that for the other churches as well. 
We're not in competition. We're partners. And I think of the church down uh, the road here, the, the First Baptist Church, and I noticed that they've started a ministry to our Hispanic uh, community and our brothers and sisters. God bless that. That's a huge need to be able to share the gospel with these people that you've, you've brought into our community. They, they've got a soul. They've got a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. So I pray that you'd be with those down at First Baptist Church, that you would give them the resources they need, give them wisdom, bless their faithfulness and their willingness to take a step of faith, give them fruit for their labor, souls for their faithfulness. God, continue to lead us and guide us let that begin in this pastor's heart today. Thank you for what you're doing. In the powerful, so very powerful name of Jesus that I pray and ask these things. Would you stand with me this morning as we close with a benediction as a reminder of who we are and who we've been called to be. Would you join me uh, this morning? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. And may the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen and amen. God bless you all. I hope you have a great week, and I love you dearly.